this mic on, and then I made the dumb decision of putting a mic, a mask on over the microphone. So now it's just a, it's just a mess. Um, they were really, they didn't really teach you about this in Bible college, uh, masks versus uh, microphones. But can you guys hear me okay? Am I just, am I speaking really loudly, or am I actually going to the speakers? Is that a yes? Yeah. All right, I took your, I took your silence as a yes. I just wanted to make sure. So yeah, and also like the masks like taught me something called beard hair, like mask beard now. Like never had that problem earlier. Like. Sorry, this has nothing to do with the message. It's just me just complaining about masks. But anyways, so one cool thing about the New Testament is, which you guys can probably all agree with me, is that it covers a lot of different themes, right? Like the New Testament in itself, all the books combined together, there's a lot of themes that are discussed throughout it that are similar, like becoming more like Christ, how to treat each other, how to interact and live in the world, what we shall become. And in reading the letters and the epistles in the New Testament, we can see that Christians are called to be easily distinguishable. We're supposed to stand out from the rest of the world. Now, this doesn't mean that as Christians, in order to stand out, all we need to do is just wear those like cross earrings or a cross necklace or something like that, or have like one of those Jesus fish bumper stickers. That's not what this means. But by also standing out from the rest of the world and being easily distinguishable, we're not supposed to be withdrawn from society and live as hermits. So we're not supposed to be living in our own little, like, social circles and supposed to be keeping ourselves away from the world. That's not what that means. We are to interact and live in the world, yet remain unspotted from it. These instructions can seem contradictory, you know? Like, how am I supposed to live in the world as a Christian, I'm supposed to stand out through what I say, what I do, and how I treat other people. But how am I also supposed to live in a world with all these people that seem to contradict everything else, everything that I believe in? And it can be hard at times. It can be hard to find that right line to walk. And Paul, in his letter to the Philippians... He tells them not to walk as the world. Let me read this for you in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship in heaven, from which we so eagerly await for the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we do not claim citizenship of the world. We're not citizens of earth. We're supposed to be looking towards the future. We're future-oriented. We are citizens of heaven. And even though we're currently living here, it's only our temporary home. And that is the hard mindset to grasp sometimes, right? It's hard to grasp that how are we supposed to live future-oriented? But then Paul uses this analogy to explain it a little bit more, which would have been easily understood in ancient Rome, and we can even understand it with a little bit of under, with a little bit more explanation, which I'll do later, even more. He writes in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 20, I think that, yeah, it's up on the screen. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. So the role of an ambassador in ancient Rome isn't much different than what we see as an ambassador today. And just like today, being chosen as an ambassador in Rome was a great honor. They didn't choose just any random person off the street to be an ambassador. Like, they didn't just go 
walk down the street and say, hey, Tony, sorry, that's my best ancient Rome name that I can think of. You want to be an ambassador? No. It was a, it was a great honor to be chosen. And for us today, being told that we are ambassadors for Christ may not fully resonate with us. It may not provide, like, ultimately, we're just reading that passage, it may not provide specific guidelines for living our lives. So it's worthwhile to examine the characteristics, the responsibilities, and the lifestyle of an ambassador in order to understand how that applies to our lives, which is what we're going to be going over today. So I may have just spent the last five minutes talking. You may be like, hold the phone, was an ambassador, I wasn't paying attention in fifth grade history class, or social, what's, what's it called, social studies, right? Archer, what do you take in social studies history? I put him on the spot, he, just, he forgot everything he learned in school. Um, so, so let's go over, let's take a second and go over what is an ambassador. Ambassadors are the highest ranking representative of their, of their governments abroad. What does that mean? I may have just said that and it sounds like total gibberish to you guys. So, an ambassador's primary responsibility is to represent and work towards the best interests of their own, their home country, for their government or head of state. They're not elected, like I said earlier, but say they're chosen. And it's a huge honor to be one. And just like that, we are bestowed a huge honor whenever we are chosen by God to be ambassadors for him. When an ambassador is chosen, sent to live and work in a foreign country, they still remain a citizen of their home country and follow that country's laws above their own. So whenever an ambassador for, say, the United States goes to another country, they're still a citizen of the United States, they still represent the United States, but say that country drives on the left side of the road instead of the right, they follow that country's laws above their own, right? Because ultimately, that's their goal. But, they hold, ultimately, where it's all said and done, they focus on their home country. So, Peter and the other apostles stated the same when they were told not to teach Jesus' name in Jerusalem. And telling the officers to come arrest them. You can read this in Acts. It says, we ought to obey God rather than men. But that, this doesn't mean that we can just go and ignore our host country's laws, right? Like, as much as we don't want to, we have to pay taxes whenever it's all said and done, right? And we have to try our best to not commit a felony. Sorry, that, that, was, a, that was a joke. It didn't really hit that hard to try our best. Obviously, you guys just do what you want. Um, so, but, but when man's law... And God's law conflict, our highest allegiance is always to God. As Christ often warned his disciples, this ultimate allegiance to God may not mean that we're the most popular people. Because whenever we sometimes commit our allegiance to God instead of the world, we don't conform to the world's standards. Jesus says this in John. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you were not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But like I said earlier, this doesn't mean that we should isolate ourselves from society because we feel like we're a minority. We feel like that we 
but we're unpopular because we're not conforming to the world standards. Because, you know, Jesus also told his disciples that we are supposed to be a light to the world. And you guys know what happens if you take away light. You only leave darkness. And he ultimately, the ultimate goal of us being Christians is to go out to the world and make disciples. And how can we do that if we're too busy living our own lives, afraid of going out to the world? And now since we understand what an ambassador is and what it means to be an ambassador for Christ, let's look at the responsibilities of an ambassador and compare it to the responsibilities of being an ambassador for Christ. So, the primary responsibility of an ambassador is to accurately represent and advocate for their home country's goals while abroad. So, to do this, they must be completely acquainted with their home country's policies, their rulers' and pol their rulers' policies, and what outcomes are favorable and unfavorable. Similarly, we have to have an understanding of what God wants out of us. If we don't understand that, then we are not reaching our full potential as ambassadors for Christ. We need to understand what brought us to this point in history and how he plans to accomplish his, how he plans to use us to accomplish his end goal and what our role in it will be. If we don't understand that, how can we expect to be effective ambassadors for Christ? One important thing to remember, and remember and talk about this analogy that Paul wrote for us in 2 Corinthians, is that up until the last several decades, ambassadors didn't really have an effective means of communication with their home country. Like today, we have these little things that it's like, oh, if you're unsure about what to do, like say you're an ambassador in a foreign country, you can just call, email, text, and get a legitimate answer. But even until the last couple of decades, that wasn't an easy thing to do. So, well, let's look at an example here. Let's look at a real-world example of an ambassador and how this was used. So let's look at Benjamin Franklin. He wasn't a president, by the way. I know that's a common misconception, but he is on the back of the $100 bill. So, for those of you guys... Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> sorry, I was saying that joke to um, find, refine my spot in the paper, but um, then I just let some awkward silence in there. That wasn't supposed to be like... I wasn't waiting for for laughter, or like enormous applause or anything. So, what many people do not know is the U.S. could ne never won the Revolutionary War without Ben Franklin being a ambassador for the U.S. for France. So, he went to France, and he had to completely understand what Congress wanted out of him, because the most effective way of communication back then was a letter. Now, I know on a map, it may seem like, you know, Europe and the United States is like this far apart, but in real life, that's a really big distance to travel across ship. And it could have taken months just to get the letter to receive to them. And then, of course, they would have to write a correspondence and then send it back. That wouldn't work. And whenever you're in times of war, time is critical. So, by fully having a grasp of what the United States wanted, he was able to get the Treaty of Paris made. And then basically make Britain fight two wars at once, thus helping our little upstart country of the United States. But likewise, God does not give us a script 
or dictate exact actions or conversations over the phone. Instead, he gives us a thing called a Bible, which is basically like a manual. And I feel like as much as we talk about it, as much as we read, read out of it on Sunday, like I'm always, we're always giving you guys like passages you guys will look up in your Bible, I feel like the Bible is one of the most underutilized things that we have in the church today. I feel like a lot of times people forget that it's at their disposal. And the Bible is one of the greatest tools we have because we don't have exact action, we don't have exact things in our situations that God gives us. Instead, we have a Bible that we can read. It gives us some hard and fast do's and don'ts. It tells us what our ultimate goal is. He doesn't give us every minute step we need to take. It doesn't give us every single situation that can ever happen to us. Or it doesn't even tell us every trial we're going to face along the way until we reach the ultimate goal of eternal life. But instead, he gives us the spirit. He gives us the laws and teachings. And then empowers us to live our lives and make our own choices accordingly. We can go to him and ask his questions. But more often than not, our response is always going to be, Look at the instruction manual. This is why we have to spend time reading the Bible, reading scripture, and talking with God in prayer. Keep an open line of communication. Because if we don't, maybe we're gonna maybe we'll end up acting out of our own self-interest instead of acting how God really what God really wants us to do. Because this way, when a situation arises, whenever a conversation reaches a critical point, or a decision must be made, we already have clarity and purpose on how to proceed. We know exactly what our, how our leader would want us to respond. So, now, finally, let's look at the characteristics of an ambassador. What truly makes an ambassador is, is their character. Ambassadors come from a wide variety of backgrounds with many different personalities. But there are a number of distinct traits and character virtues that ambassadors must develop in order to be successful. And the first one is a firm foundation. He or she must be a strong leader, respected and trusted, and passionate about their job with a strong sense of patriotism for their home country. Our foundation, as, as ambassadors for Christ, likewise, is of absolute importance. Without a solid foundation of God's law, his plan, and his purpose for us, through repentance and baptism, we can't succeed in our quest for the kingdom, our ultimate home country. We also, as ambassadors for Christ, need to be well-educated about our home, in our host country. We need to be able to understand our potential obstacles and read in and read our situations and know our best course of action. Paul tells us we must walk circumspectly, as not as not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And one last thing that ambassadors must know is that they must be conscious that they are a minority in their host country. Just like us. We must realize that whether we like it or not, 
Christians aren't the majority. We're a minority. But we must remember that no matter whether we're a majority or a minority, we must, we must look at Christ's example. Sorry, I completely lost my train of thought with, with what I'm going at. So, as Christ's ambassadors, we must remember that we are told not to go around offending people left and right, even when we, if we disagree with the way that they're living their lives. If you look at Christ's example, the only people he strongly chastised and offended were people like the Pharisees, who set themselves up as spiritual leaders and led people astray. Christ was loving and forgiving towards the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and other people looked down by society. And if we truly want to be ambassadors for Christ, we need to truly exemplify him in everything he does. So I'm going to leave you this today. We are called to be different from the world around us. We cannot forget our purpose to go throughout the world and make disciples. We must be Christ-centered difference makers if we truly want to be kingdom-focused and extended like we're called to do. So let me pray, and then we'll have our closing song. Dear Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to preach your word, God. Please help us go out and be focused on you, God. Help us be an ambassador, God. Help us be focused on the kingdom, God. Help us not get caught up in the world around us, God, because it's only temporary. And help us bring other people to know you. Can you hear my prayer?